Welcome to both Success and Integrity with Bessie Graham, a podcast dedicated to established business leaders like you, ready to bring more meaning into your life in a way that strengthens rather than threatens the financial stability of your business. I'm your host, Bessie Graham. I've worked with business owners, governments, and large funding bodies like the United Nations for over 20 years to bring doing good and making money back together. So let's unpack why you don't have to choose between experiencing success or having integrity in your life. We're going to be talking a little bit about mastery today and digging into some of the the traps or I suppose the downsides that we can come up against as people who are used to doing really well and being successful and achieving. And what I'm keen to to do in the conversation today is to learn from what others are seeing and patterns they're spotting. So I've asked an incredible woman to join us today who has had the benefit of working with hundreds, maybe maybe thousands, I don't know, Kyrie, you can tell us, of really ambitious and high-performing CEOs from many different countries. And I'm keen to ask a few questions and draw out some of the, the patterns and the lessons that we can all learn as business leaders on our own journeys of mastery in the work that we're doing. So, Kyrie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It is really my pleasure. I was looking forward to this today. Could you give us a little bit of background just to sort of set the scene so people know who you are and what it is you've been doing over the course of your career that really can speak into this area for us as business leaders? Absolutely. So, um, I currently am a business strategist to establish business leaders across the world, to be honest, and in different languages. And what's really, really fun about that is that I get to draw from different parts of my experience over the past 15, 20 years, both in martial arts and also um, in business, because I was a leading for a long time teams of researchers and business strategists and project management consultants to help organizations really grow and 10x their bottom line. And being in those rooms and dealing with business leaders, but also coming from a martial arts and a very mindset-oriented type of background, it gives you, it shows you things that most people will not see when you're having business conversations, right? It shows you patterns that people have that they don't see themselves. But when you're trying to help them with business strategy and you uncover those things and you tackle those things first, the business strategy part resolves itself. So that is the favorite part of what I do. And coming also from so many different parts of the world, I was born in the Middle East from parents who are from West Africa. I got my education from in Europe and North America. It helps you with perspective and perspective is everything when it comes to growth and mastery and all of those things. Absolutely. And I think you're right about that aspect of how valuable it is to have people who have really unique mixes in their background around things like your martial arts aspect and um, 
I wrote down when I was looking at some of the pieces in your podcast, I loved the way you talked about, you know, as we elevate to mastery, we need to build our mind, body, spirit, and systems. You then had, you know, you always hear people talk about mind, body, spirit, but I loved that you then talked about systems added on there. And it's, as you said, through your experience with research and, and different components of how change works and projects work, it's fascinating when you can bring in some of those pieces that people don't usually or naturally put together, uh, which can just make that perspective shift that suddenly they see something in a different way. Exactly. And the reason I talk about systems a lot as well is that a lot of times I find that we waste a lot of times in decision-making when there gets a point where you don't need to make, to be making as many smaller decisions because you know you're elevated and so on but we find ourselves in the same patterns of and wasting time and our willpower on decisions that literally you could put into a system make it a habit whether for yourself for your team for your family even and that just frees up so much bandwidth yeah. for people right but we don't think about okay. that yeah i agree and i think because there's often that piece that for for those of us who are either entrepreneurial and tend to get bored with things quickly and you're always sort mm -hmm. of moving on to, to different aspects. I find that when you take the time to be really intentional, make a decision well once, but then set yeah. those pieces in motion, it actually frees you from the boredom and mental load as well of having to, every time that comes up, think through, oh, well, how am I going to do this and start from a blank sheet of paper. It's actually, it is a waste of our time, but it also taps into the aspects where we'll end up doing a bad job on it because we don't actually want to think about it. So it's kind of exactly. a catch-22. <laughs> you literally caught, that's exactly how I am. I get bored very, very quickly. And I realized that about myself when I was a teenager, which was a good thing because <laughs> I could work around it. But yes, that is absolutely true. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, I know that you have... You and I have been in, in the same circles and in the same room many times and, and you will have heard me talking to people about the fact that I always encourage business leaders to think like a system and act like an entrepreneur. So it's kind of that zoom out, look at all the moving pieces, yes. look at the system you are operating in, the context, all of those, those pieces, but then don't just stay in the big picture, drill down and actually, you know, what am I going to yes. do, which is the entrepreneurial aspect. I'm wondering if we can tap in a little bit to all of the different business leaders you've seen and what might come out in some of the patterns related to this. Because when I talk about that sort of systemic, and so in this aspect, I'm not talking about setting up a system or process, it's the system itself that we're operating in. When I talk to people about that, often there's, it's almost this appealing or sexy thing of people being able to say, oh, yes. I'm quite systemic and, you know, this big, big picture thinker. And yet what we miss in that process comes back to some of the wisdom that was in the very, you know, it's a, an old book now, but a great one, Singy's book, Fifth Discipline, which is talking about this aspect. People want to get to the systems piece, but they ignore that there was four disciplines that came before that. You had to have personal mastery, mental models, a shared vision and team learning to get you to systems thinking, right? And I'm wondering what, what are some of the patterns you've seen related to your work and trying to get these high-performing CEOs to a place of mastery? 
what are some of the versions of that that recur over and over where someone wants to play at one level but they're ignoring a bunch of the the steps that come before and you know what's really amazing a lot of people who are already successful are extremely smart so what i have realized is that it's not that they do not know it is not that they do not understand a lot of times it is either fear that things i was very surprised learning from very successful people that they were still afraid to fail, for example. And so because of that fear, they tend to make decisions just within a specific realm. And anything beyond what they knew for sure they could achieve, they would actually just shy away from it. So that can be around learning, um, uh, around leading teams, that can be around innovating in their industry, that could be around specific amounts of money that beyond that amount that they are used to or that they can fathom, they would literally self-sabotage themselves out of contracts. I've seen that so many times, right? So a lot of the things that we face as we're growing our businesses to the six, seven, multi-seven figures or beyond that, a lot of the things that we faced getting there, we still face at that level. It just looks a little bit different. So for example, I have worked with very successful business leaders for whom building their sales team was a huge block, right? And we know that after a certain point, there's no way that you can do all the things. And so for this specific woman that I was talking to, it took me a little bit of really probing to figure out that the reason why she wasn't getting her sales team together was because of past trauma related to her corporate career where she was leading sales team and where there was a lot of drama all the time, right? So now her building her own business, she wasn't setting up the foundation of any business, which is literally the sales so that you can have cash in your business. She was still doing everything herself with other teams except a sales team. Now, that is not somebody who's not smart. That is somebody who understands and who knows. But there's other things underlying, you know, her reason mm-hmm. for not making this big decision. So it's not that people don't understand. They have patterns. I always say people don't have business problems. They have personal problems they bring into, into the business that show symptoms in the business. So that's really, there's so many different types of patterns. I could give you so many examples. But at the end of the day, it is typically personal. It is the mindset. It is fears either related to past trauma or what others around us could be thinking. I had I was having a very eye-opening, I guess, um, conversation with this CEO where I couldn't figure out why we couldn't implement the, a specific strategy to really get her past where she was. She was already successful. Turns out the reason why she didn't want to implement it was that it was going to make her more successful, which was going to mean her husband would leave. Now, this is not business strategy, right? This is not systems. This is nothing else, but it's literally other things that come and impact, um, you know, all all of the things that we just talked about. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because a, a bunch of those pieces that you spoke about as you've pointed out, are mindset related. So whether it's aspects related to Carol Dweck's work on having a fixed mindset or a growth mindset, you know, you spoke about components that fit very neatly in that category. But then also those pieces that really are 
around those narratives or stories that we are not really conscious of, but that are driving that behavior, which really comes back to that central aspect of, you know, if we go all the way back to ancient Greek philosophers talking about the foundational task that we have is to know thyself. Like, what is the aspect of self-awareness and self-knowledge in all of that? And and for me, there's a an old friend that I have who's a, a public philosopher. He was on the podcast a few weeks back and he has this beautiful saying where he says, all goal setting should be an exercise in ongoing self-knowledge. Like, what, how do we connect those things? And I think much of the work that that you're doing in coaching and working with those business leaders does come back to this component of, okay, we know that we have to set really clear goals and we need to have identified what is success going to look like here? What does that mean for me personally? But you can't do that unless you've actually done the self-awareness piece, which is exactly what you're talking about, uncovering what's driving that behavior. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you go. Oh, I was going to say the self-awareness piece is definitely the most important. That that is why I just even last week I was coaching a, a group of multi-million-dollar business owners, and what I was focusing on is the importance of having in your calendar time to yourself. It's crazy how busy we get doing all the other things, but the most foundational part of everything that we have to do is gaining clarity. When you have clarity, your team has clarity, your clients has clarity, your audience has clarity. Everything is so much easier and simpler, but we tend to be extremely busy driving towards the next thing without acquiring the learning of the process, the internal and you know the personal mastery and everything we have learned and actually processing that and figuring out where we're standing on our own way. So if there's one thing that anybody should take out of this uh, episode today, at least is making sure that in your calendar you have, whether it's on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, that time to sit and reflect. And here's the thing, again, perspective. When I look at any masters across all disciplines that I have encountered, whether it is in business or it is in spirituality, or in martial arts, or other types of sports, or anything like that, they all have something in common, is that they do a lot of self-reflection. All of them do a lot of self-reflection and figuring out where they are, you know, working against themselves. So that would be really my number one thing for you guys today. Yeah, I think that's great. And as you said, that when you were a teenager, you learned early that you got bored easily and were able to work that in. I think one of the benefits, so I'm a deep introvert. So introverts like me have the benefit of we learn early that, oh, I need to have time by myself. So that's a very natural thing to kind me of work too, into yeah. work into your life. But I think you are right that even as an introvert, the the bigger or more complex your business life gets, the harder it is to be disciplined yes. ensuring that that is in place. And yet I know from my own experience that the days that don't start with me having quietness and being by myself are never as good as the days where it begins with that kind of razor sharp, quiet clarity and stepping into the day from that space is a much more powerful way to engage. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I guess because I'm an introvert, I thought everybody, everybody did that. Yeah. But apparently not. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Who knew that was actually not obvious? <laughs> you, you talk about the, uh, the aspect of creating a first class life. I wonder if we connect some of the components of how you actually develop or build out your own version of that. Where do you think something like self-knowledge sits within the creation of someone's first-class life? 100%. And you said that I have goosebumps because um, for anybody listening, so I just moved my family to Portugal, which has been something that is part of our rich life, right? We wanted a specific lifestyle. We wanted to be able to travel and so on. But when I think about it, really building your rich life is a symptom or a consequence of self-awareness because you don't know what is your rich life until you take the time to actually, you know, go deep inside. What I see a lot of business owners, again, deal with is that they take on other people's goals and make them theirs. And so they're not aware of what it is that they want their first class life to look like, right? For a lot of people, growing and I have so many examples that come to mind right now of growing their business to a point and then turning around realizing, oh my God, I just climbed the climbed the wrong mountain. I do not like this. Right. And I see you like I'm sure you've met people like that. And at the end of the day, the self-reflection that I was mentioning is all about figuring out what you like and what you do not like, what you tend to be drawn towards and what is really not you, it's really coming, you know, you're taking it from other people's goals, what they think you should be doing, what your industry has as a norm. And so you believe that this is how you should lead your business as well. At the end of the day, a business, it's not an entity out there. It's you and other people's ideas that come together. So figuring out what it is that you want, figuring out how it is that you want your business to serve you versus the other way around and starting to design. I call that literally just designing your life the way that you want it to. You could use your business, you could use your relationships, you could use your time and your money to design the lifestyle that you want, but it starts with the self-awareness. So how is it that you want to spend your time? A few years from now, how is it that you want to spend your time with your family, with, uh, uh, with society? How do you want to give back? How do you want to contribute? What does that need to look like? Right. And if we're not asking this question for ourselves regularly, what's going to happen is other people who have done that work are going to bring you into their plan. And that's how we wake up one day and we're like, I do not like this. Yes, because we didn't decide it. It was decided for us. Yeah, and it becomes very hard to actually have the discernment to figure out which of those very loud voices telling you what to do exactly. are aligned and, and you know which ones you should ignore because that piece is only easy to engage with and go, nope, don't want that, don't want that, I want this, if you've actually you know figured that out and we have, um, my partner, Brad and I have this tool that we've used that we've been together for 20 years and, and we've always talked about it as a decision cascade. And so what we kind of frame is, well, what's the first question? Like what's the most important question and how do we want to answer that? And then 
from there you can level, okay, now there's going to be secondary questions and <laughs> tertiary questions and how does this flow? And what has been fascinating to watch over the years is that in doing that, what it's allowed us to have in our lives in terms of that designing the life you want is that we don't accidentally make a decision first that should have been a tertiary decision and then, and then we've actually constrained every other decision from that point on because we made something primary that really was two levels down. <laughs> and, and so it's that aspect. And you, know, you gave the example of you've just moved your family and I think these pieces do play out you know, from the way we operate in our family through to our business. And for us, one of the big decisions we made early on when our kids were little was that we made the primary decision how we wanted to raise our kids and we said we wanted one of us to be with them. And so what that meant was it then pushed down to secondary and tertiary things like what house would we buy, what schools would our kids go to. And because they didn't become a primary decision that then meant, well, now we have to earn this much money to sustain this house that actually wasn't that important. You know, it, it's all about that sequencing. Exactly. And for us, it was very similar too. So I've been with my husband for almost 22 years at this point. And very early, we talked about how we both traveled a lot when we were kids and we wanted to give that same lifestyle to our children when we got there. Right. But until COVID, working remote was not very much a thing. And so we built in every decision that we made, whether financial or in terms of the career that we chose and how we chose to work and where we chose to work and so on was built in order to allow us to do these things. So when you are actually clear or actually when you're working on gaining clarity on what it is that you want, the decisions become so much easier to make because you have a clear line of direction. Whereas when we do not know and we're not taking that time, then everything seems just as good as the other option. And that is never the case, right? So one thing that I do on a daily basis is that reflection time at the end of each day, at the end of each week, like figuring out like what made today awesome, like what made today a day really worth living. And when you start adding those things up, it creates a really, really nice vision. My grandmaster in Kung Fu once asked me, he was like, how do you create a beautiful future? And, you know, we all had all of these really big answers. He was like, no, the way you create a beautiful future is by making every moment the best that you can make it. And by making every single day the best day that you can over time, it creates a momentum that will inevitably lead towards the future that you want. So that reflection time again, so important. If you are in a team, as a team, if you're in a relationship, as you know, a couple, extremely important. Yeah. And just that consciousness that, as you said, you know, the, you could otherwise be still trying to do your best in every moment, but you will land somewhere that's someone else's version of success, not yours, because you weren't having that, okay, what does this look like for me? And then we feel trapped in a life that actually is not even the one that we want. I wonder if we kind of stay on that theme of some of the pieces that can end up trapping us that were previously seen or would be seen as success to someone else. When you think of the high-performing business leaders and CEOs that you're working with, they are going to, I assume, typically be people who are used to, you know, achieving, winning, yes. being the top, you know, being the best. 
how do you encourage people to get comfortable with and learn to be a novice again and step into things that they don't yet know on a journey to mastery rather than staying in that piece you talked about before, which has that fixed mindset of unless I'm 100% sure I'm going to succeed, I'm not going to do it. So what does that look like and, and how do you think that, that people who are used to winning, used to succeeding, can start to engage in being a novice again? Yeah. And the thing is, what as business owners, what really triggers us to get into that is when we have a new goal that we're working towards or a new dream or something like that. One question that I love to ask my clients is, if you could not fail, if nobody could ever have anything negative to say, if there was no way that you could lose money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, what would you be doing next? And that gets us into a completely different conversation because now we're talking about you're never going to fail in this hypothetical scenario. No one's ever going to have anything to say about it. You won't have good, bad press, nothing of the sort. We would just be playing. What would you be doing, right? And so in that, we start tapping into something that's a little bit different, that's a little bit new. People start getting, you know, those butterflies of things that they forgot about even And then it's not about jumping into all of that, but what piece could we start with now? If this is the dream right now, what piece could we start with right now? And I tend to ask this question to people who, when I ask them what the next goal is, they just give me a financial number. I'm like, yeah, nah, I doubt that you wake up in the morning and that is the only thing that you see, right? There has to be something else, but you'd be surprised how much so many people like forget about the other stuff. It's the monetary goal just because you're a business owner. And that is what people typically say. I want to take my business to X level. But no, for a lot of the entrepreneurs that I work with, money is not the number one driver anymore, even if they don't realize it. It's the other things. It's the type of impact they want to have on their family or others. right? And so getting them back into that space of creation and then bringing one piece at least of that into whatever their plan is going to be, it gets them back into that mode of you know creating and being out of the regular again. And sometimes what I've seen too is just adding a new person in their environment where they have new conversations changes things a lot. So that is again where the, your circle will have an impact. So getting into conversations with people who are innovative, who are doing those things and who are jumping in and, and, and bringing newness in what they do will definitely start impacting them as well. Yeah, I love that. And I think you're right that opening ourselves up and, and starting to re, uh, I suppose, embrace that broader aspect of who we are. You know, we often talk about the aspect of bringing your whole self to work and yes. when we fall into those one-dimensional traps of saying like oh I, my goal is to get to eight figures or my goal is to hit you know being an ultra high net worth individual and it's just about one-dimensional component without those layers of why so what would that enable what would that give you what is it about that that's appealing I think it's the richness of your answer in that layered way that will actually increase the chance that that you're going to stick at it. Are there components when we still stay on that theme of 
sort of the movement from novice to mastery. Are there components that have been useful for you when you think of, say, the martial arts angle of that journey to mastery and how that kind of matches over to, to business? So the, when it comes to mastery at the end of the day, and you know how I shared earlier that it doesn't matter what your art form is, whether it is business or anything like that, people will typically start at a phase where, and this is across the board, where initially things are difficult, right? And anybody who's built a successful business can testify to this. At the beginning of anything that you're doing, it is difficult. It takes up your emotions. It takes up your time trying to figure things out, etc. But it's all about repetition of anything. So the more you can repeat, so what it is, whatever it is that you're trying to work on elevating, whether it's a skill set, your mindset, your self-awareness, anything like that, it's getting, it's just building the habit at the, at the beginning uh, of the process and doing the thing over and over and over again. There comes a point where you don't have to think about it. What will happen is your intuition kicks in, right? That's why Bruce Lee says, I, I fear not the man who knows a thousand kicks. I fear the man who, know, who has practiced one kick a thousand times. So taking that thing and doing it over and over and over and over, the same way you have built your business to success, you can learn other skills. You can develop other talents. And you can elevate yourself to whatever next goal it is that you have achieved. So it is important to realize that although maybe where you are right now might seem like the summon for somebody else, for you, it is just the beginning. When you look at martial arts, what, you know, what everyone considers like the end results, having a black belt, we say it's just the beginning of the training. Before that, you were in kindergarten. Right. So wherever your business is at right now, you probably were in kindergarten before. There's so much potential still. It's just about figuring out what the next step is and, you know, practice, 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 practice for yourself and the people around you will definitely take you there. So it's that same mentality and the growth mindset we were talking about before. Yeah. I'm wondering for you, Kyrie, what is it when you think of your own personal sort of vision of some of those aspects of what mastery and contribution is going to look like for you in your life. What is it about business that you love so much and, and why are you pouring your energy and time and focus of your skills into that area of business? What, what is it that you hope to be contributing to in terms of that bigger picture? I love this question so much. So here's the the funny thing, as I said, I really believe that mastery is the same across the board. The way you attain mastery is the same. What's really cool about business is that you can quantify. You know when things are working and you know when they're not, right? And as I said, if you tie that back to what I said earlier, that business building and business success, people don't have business problems. They have personal problems that show symptoms in the business. Anything that is not working in the business, I 100% believe can be solved much like with in big part when we start inside, when we start internally and we start shifting things, things around you in your business, in the people that you serve start shifting as well. And you can actually quantify it. You can calculate the ROI of your mindset. <laughs> 
with your business, whereas in someone in some other um, art forms, etc., it might be a little bit harder to quantify. So that is one reason. It's because if you literally see the transformation that somebody will have leading their business and the transformation that the business, you know, uh, encounters, it's so similar. And that is one thing. The other piece that I really, really like as well is that entrepreneurs are literally the people that change the world. They are the ones that bring about transformation the fastest. They are the people that gather, you know, audiences and gather people and change mindsets and change ways of lives much faster and at a much bigger scale than big organizations. I've worked with a lot of big organizations. It was not the most fun for me, right? Working with entrepreneurs, they're more agile. They can, you know, go and implement much faster and have an impact much faster. That for me is, I absolutely love it. And I come from, my mother is an entrepreneur. My mother never finished high school. She got married very early, but I saw her go from not even finishing school to whatever she's doing right now, which is phenomenal all through entrepreneurship, right? So that is definitely a, another aspect of that as well. Beautiful. If there was, if you could only get the business leaders who are listening to embrace one thing in terms of something they changed or started to actually put into practice in their, their business life, what would you want that to be? I would say start paying attention to how you talk when nobody is listening. Pay attention to how you talk to yourself when it's just you. No, nobody else around, but when it's just you, you're in your bathroom, you're getting ready. There's something that's going on through your mind. What does it say? When you're about to go to bed, there's voices in your mind. What do they say? Right. The way that we talk about our time, our money, the people around us, etc. A lot of times we don't realize, but we have this loop and this pattern that's going on. And if you just take the time to pay attention, you're going to be so surprised that's what's happening. And then you can change things because a lot of people face the same problems over and over and over again, because when they're alone, that's what they're telling themselves over and over and over again. Right. So that's again, awareness. So over the next day, today, over the next week, take the time when you're alone to pay attention to what you're saying to yourself and you'll really be surprised at what you can do about it. I love that. That's great. And Kyrie, if people want to hear or learn a bit more about the way you think about mastery and, and what you're doing, what's the best way to get in touch with you and, and follow along your journey? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, right here is the best place. Uh, Whenever you're listening to this podcast, my podcast is probably on here as well, the Mastery Matrix podcast with Kairi Var. So uh, definitely uh, join me there. I talk all the time about the different aspects of mastery. I draw from all types of perspectives and art forms and also, you know, different masters across the globe and across time uh, to help business owners elevate to the next level and their bigger game. Beautiful. We will share the link in the show notes. So feel free to just jump into the notes, folks, and, uh, and go and listen to some of the episodes of Kyrie's podcast. Thank you so much, Kyrie. It's been wonderful to, uh, to talk to you and, and pick your brain a little bit about some of those things that we can tweak in our own lives to 
really become more conscious, become more aware of that beautiful aspect you mentioned that there's not the business problems, they're actually personal and, and we need to own that and kind of start from the, the inside out. So thank you so much for Absolutely. sharing with us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time to listen to both success and integrity with Bessie Graham. If you found what I shared today valuable, or you think that it would be good for a fellow business leader to listen to, then please share the episode with someone you know. Another way to help the podcast is to provide a rating and written review on your podcast app of choice. The written review is important because it helps others learn more about what we're trying to achieve. If you'd like to get in touch, please reach out to me at any time on LinkedIn, YouTube or Instagram just by searching Bessie Graham or you can go to BessieGraham.com. I'm Bessie Graham and remember, you don't have to choose between experiencing success or having integrity in your life.